Well, hey, welcome to every single one of you joining us today from your home. Welcome to X Church at Home. We're excited to have you here today. And as you can see, maybe if we pan out, you can see that I've got a live studio audience with me here today. Come on, guys. Thank you. I just, can I just say, I got tired of preaching to nobody to, except to a camera and empty rooms, even though I, I know you're on the other side of that. But I just, so I, I asked some, some folks to kind of just join me today. And hey, listen, if you're new, I, I just want to welcome you. If you just happen to come across this broadcast, or maybe in the last few weeks, someone just shared a, a video or a link, and you just said, man, maybe now more than ever, I feel like I need something or something like this. Can I just say, we're glad that you're here. In fact, if you're new, we consider you a VIP. We'd love for you just to throw VIP in the comments, and we'd love to know that it's your first time here. We're actually in the middle of this conversation. We began last week talking about how everything around us feels like it's shaking. I don't know if you guys noticed that, but I mean, it feels like the situation that we're in is so volatile, and we're trying to discover what does it look like for us to have a faith where we are unshaken. What does it look like? In fact, we, we heard last week, we talked about Jesus and his words and how Jesus said that we're all builders, that we're all building something with our lives. In fact, we, this truth is so real that, that what you build your life upon will determine how you can build your life, what you're building. What is underneath matters. That's what we learned in week one. The foundation matters because here's what's going to happen. Storms and hardship and pain and trials and viruses, these things will come. They'll happen. And so what Jesus said is what's under you is what really matters. And we learned that storms, when they come, when we deal with situations that are out of our control, we learn that storms reveal foundations, that our storms, isn't that true, guys, that storms reveal our foundations. In other words, it shows what's underneath. And so today, here, here's what we want to do. I want to just continue this conversation, and I, I want us to learn, as we are going to learn over the next several weeks, how we can have such sure footing, how we can, can withstand when storms come into our life, how we can have a sure foundation. And today, here's what I want to do. Guys, this is crazy. I want, I want to talk about the God-footer. The God-footer. Okay, not the God-father. The God-footer. In other words, you know, the foundation, the, the spot in all of our lives that we look to or we think when it comes to faith, when it comes to this idea of God. I want to talk about the God footer. Do you have a God footer in your life? Do you have space in your mind, in your faith, in your thoughts that, that God can fill up when it comes to our lives? What I've discovered is that all of us in one shape or another that we have these ideas, these thoughts about God that shape how we live. I, I call it the God footer. This is the part that is underneath the foundation that impacts how we live. Let, let me say it this way. What you believe about God will determine how you live. What you believe about God will determine how you live. In the church world, we have this term. You guys know this term. I, I, I try not to throw out too many crazy terms. But in the church world, what you think about God, we call it theology. Theology. Theology is really a makeup of two words, theos, meaning God, and ology, meaning to study. 
This idea. Now, I know this. Probably most of you sitting there right now watching me, you're thinking, okay, I, I didn't take theology in school. You know, that's for people like me. I know many of you. You might have taken biology. You might have taken psychology. You know, you might have taken some other ology, but you didn't take theology. Here's the thing. You don't have to go to seminary to have theology. The truth is we all have some theology. We all have, and, and basically, let me say it this way. Theology is nothing, nothing more than what we think about God. It's how you think about God. That's it. It's what you believe about God. That is what theology is. It's whatever comes to your mind when I say, what, what do you picture when you think about God? What, what would you say? What, if I were to say, who is God or what is God to you, what would you say? That is your theology. It's, it's where you answer and you say, well, you know, I'd ask you, is God big? Is God small? Is God absent? Is God loving? Is God overbearing? Is God merciful? Is God just? All of these things that we do, this is how we think about God. Now, here's what I have learned in my time. I've learned this, and that is that not all of us think the same thing about God. We all have different views about God. You ever notice that? I mean, we all are seeing and thinking different things about God. And a lot of times, it has to do with how we were raised. It has to do with how we got our start. Let me just say, some of you watching this right now, the truth is this. Maybe you never went to church. Maybe this idea of God or church, it was kind of like you, you never talked about it at home. You didn't have parents that went to church. You, you didn't really have anybody that kind of informed you about God. And so maybe you picked up your thoughts or what you think about God from TV shows. Or maybe you picked it up from friends. Or maybe you picked it up from, you know, a, a, a neighbor or, or a family member that was one of those Christian types that were maybe overbearing and they were turn or burn. And you said so you got this mental image like... I, if that's God, I, I don't want anything to do with God. Some of you, that was your experience. The others of you that maybe, I, I, I like to say this every once in a while, that maybe you grew up where you, you were aware of God, but, but there wasn't really much in your life in terms of connecting with God. Or sometimes at church, we, we would call them CEOs. You all know what CEOs are, right? We, we call them the Christmas and Easter only attenders, CEOs. Right? Maybe you were a CEO family, and that's okay. Hey, listen, you would go on major holidays. You would go at specific moments, and so there was awareness of God, but, but there was no real connection to God. Or maybe, you know, it's like you were aware, and so, you know, you, there were some cuss words that were okay at home, but you could not say GD. You couldn't say that one. If you did, your mama would slap you because there was an awareness, but, but maybe there was no, nothing any deeper than that. Now, for my situation, it was a little bit different. I don't know about you guys, but my situation, I, I actually uh, grew up in church all the time. I did. Like, I, I had parents. They were in ministry. And in fact, this was weird for me. I don't know if any of you guys could, could relate to this. This was so weird to me. This past Easter, okay, I realized something. That sitting at home on Easter Sunday, taking in this experience with you, I thought to myself, this is the first time maybe ever in my entire life that on Easter Sunday that I'm not in church. I was just thinking about that because that's kind of how I grew up. And so I grew up where, where I had, listen, all kinds of knowledge about God. But let me be real with you. But I didn't have a real faith of my own. I had, I had tons of knowledge about God. I had knowledge about the Bible. I had all this stuff. But if I could just tell you, I, I didn't know God personally. 
And so I just want to say, all of us, that when it comes to God, there's some things that, that maybe we think about. This is your theology. This is how do you view God? How do you think of God? And I want to just say, some of you that are watching this right now, maybe you would say that you're unsure of God. Maybe you're here watching and you would say, I'm not sure there is a God. I, I, or maybe you're, you're in a category where you just say, you know what, I just don't believe in God. I don't believe in God. First, can I just say how incredibly thankful I am that you're tuning into this right now? Like, I mean, I mean just the thought that, that you would say, I don't even know that I believe in God, but the fact that you're watching this right now, that you're tuning into this, tells me that there's something inside of you that is at least curious, that wants to know. Is there a God? And if there is a God, how do I make sense of him? And how does that affect my life? How does that make a difference in my life? Well, let me just tell you this. Here's, here's what I believe, and, and that is that it is my God footer. It is what I believe about God that becomes one of the strongest anchors in my life. So, so that when storms come, Jesus said storms are going to come. The question is, the house that you're building, the life that you have, the house that I have, the life that I have, what is underneath? And if I could just tell you that for me, my God footer, I have recognized is one of the key things that has enabled me to, to be sure and to not freak out and not to lose my faith the moment crisis comes into my life. I'm in process with you. I'm, part, I'm on this journey. We're all on this journey of faith. So regardless of where you are on this spectrum, when it comes to God, but today I want to talk about the God footer. In fact, I want to do something today where I, I want to unpack three distinctives, three attributes of God that for me, that make up my God footer. Now, these aren't the only ones, but I just want to say there are three very unique attributes of God, distinctives that for me create my God footer. The very thing that enables me to feel confident when we're so uncertain about everything. And, and, and I'm, I'm learning this process with you, but let me just say the God footer, it makes a big difference. And so I wanna just share these three that impact me, and maybe today they'll impact you. If you're someone that wants to take notes, you're sitting at home on your couch, or you've got a device, I, I want you to maybe write these down, and, and I want you to process, I want you to think about God this week. The first one is this, note takers, because I once heard note takers are history makers, right? Note takers. So the first one is this. I believe, this is one of my, my distinctives of God in my footer. I believe that God is all powerful. God is all powerful. Can you all say that with me? God is all powerful. God is all, let me ask you this question. Do you believe that? That's the first place we got to start. God is all powerful. Now, in the church world, this is, this is really a word, again, one of those really religious churchy words that, that we get um, when you think about this. God is all powerful. It's this word omnipotent. Have you ever heard that word? Omnipotent. Omni, meaning all, potent, okay, is where we get the word potential or power. God is all powerful. Now, I don't know if you believe that, but can I just tell you, I do believe that. I believe that God is all powerful. Now, I don't just believe that because somebody told me. I believe that because of what I have experienced in life. When I look around, can I just tell you that even with my general senses, when I look around the world that we're in, when I look at the, the beauty, when I look at the complexity, when I see everything around me, all it does is it points me to a designer. 
It points me to a God. Like, like listen, maybe you're in, in the place where you say, well, I don't know. I believe that all this just happened by chance, and, and I, I'll respect that. But if I could just tell you, I, I don't. I don't believe that because I see the order. When you see the cadence in nature and the way it all works together so perfectly, when you see the beauty and the majesty of this world that we live in, I don't know if you've noticed it, but it is like a piece of art. Can I tell you one of the most incredible moments I ever had in my life? I don't know if you guys ever get to travel out and around. I, I, some people I meet only, only live in Ohio, and they've never left Ohio. If that's you, i got to tell you, you've got to get out of Ohio when you can. I know right now we got a travel ban, but when you can, get out of Ohio. For three years, I got to live in Germany when I was growing up. One of the most beautiful places on the world. Oh, it's incredible. And one year, one summer, my parents, they, they took us. We went traveling to this place where the Alps hit in the southern part of Germany. And we got to take a cable car ride. I don't even know if any of you would do this. We got to take a cable car ride up to the top of the highest peak in Germany. It's called the Zugspitz, the highest peak in Germany. And so here we are, we get in this, and it's like 70 degrees down on the ground. And it is warm and it's sunny, and we get into this cable car, and you literally are taking it all the way up. And I know some of you are thinking, you hate roller coasters. How in the world would you ever do that? Well, it's because we went up like that. We didn't go straight down, okay? And so we go all the way up to the top of this mountain, and you step out into freezing cold snow. And you're on one of the highest peaks of the Alps in Germany, southern Germany. And the view is breathtaking. I, I don't know how else to describe it. You, it. It is a God moment. When you get up there and you are, you are uh, eye to eye with the clouds. When you're looking down on everything and you see this gorgeous, gorgeous, beautiful view, masterpiece. All I can think is, my gosh, God is so good. That, that, that this is how, how can I believe all this is by chance? How, how can I believe that everything, in other words, it's, it's like a piece of artwork. Like, I, I don't know if you ever have any artwork at home. I'm not talking about prints and things you order, but I'm talking about somebody, like artwork, like a beautiful piece of artwork. We lived in Germany, and, and one, one year we went to uh, Paris, and we went to the Louvre. I don't know if you've ever been to the Louvre, and we went to the Louvre. And the one thing you have to see in the Louvre, one thing you have to see, Mona Lisa, you got to go to Mona Lisa. We make it to Mona Lisa, glass case. There it is, this famous painting, Mona Lisa. It's roped off. You can't get that close to it. Guards there. And we're sitting there, and, I'm, and we're just in awe, staring at this painting. When you see a piece of artwork like that, my guess is that you don't think to yourself, I wonder how this got here. I wonder how this just, I mean, Mona Lisa is amazing. Like, I wonder just how it got here. That's not what we think. You know what we think? We think, I wonder who painted this who made this can I tell you that when we look at the canvas that God painted when you see the sunset on a summer evening when when you see the beauty and the intricacy of life and how it works together what it tells me is and what I want to know is who made this in fact, I love, let me read this, Psalm, Psalm 19. I love what it says, Psalm 19, one through four. It says this, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the works of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. And night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound 
is heard from them, yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the end of the world. When when we see that beautiful array of creation and we see not only that, but the miraculous microscopic uh, plan and, and, and intricacy of even our DNA. When you see the way everything works together in such perfect harmony to create the canvas that we are living in and a part of, what it tells me is there's somebody who created it. Somebody more powerful than me had something to do with me being here. And it's not just what we pick up by what we see around us, but can I also tell you, it's what throughout history we have seen where mankind has had experiences with God. In fact, you know, um, I don't know what you think about the Bible, but I often say it that it's not a religious text. But what I really see is that this, this really is people detailing their encounters with God, their experiences with God. The people that set out to write the Bible didn't think they were writing a Bible. All they were doing was telling the story of their encounters with God. And I think about people like Abraham. Abraham, who had this encounter with God, and God said, go to a land I'll show you, and I'm going to make you into a great nation. Abraham, who is at this time 75 years old, and his wife, Sarah, who's 65 years old, and they can't have children. And for 25 years, they hold on to this promise from God that one day I'm going to make you the father of many nations. And they hold on to it. And then guess what? When he's 100 years old and she's 90, the promise comes true and they have a child. What, What I'm trying to say is that what we see in people's stories, even throughout history and what's been recorded for us this, is that God can do the impossible. That God does miracles. When you look at Moses who tries to lead a nation out of Egypt and they get to the edge of a Red Sea and they're blocked in and they can't go anywhere further. And then God says, but hold your staff up. And what God does was he brings a wind that actually parts the sea so they can go through on dry land. Listen, this is God showing I'm all powerful. That I can do anything, I can do everything. God has shown himself over and over. And you say, okay, I don't know if I believe all those stories. Well, do you believe Jesus? Would you consider Jesus? Jesus is not folklore. People who did not believe in Jesus wrote about Jesus. Jesus really did live, and he walked on this earth. And everything about Jesus' story seems impossible. The way he showed up, where where Mary, his mother, meets an angel who says, you're going to be with child. And you know what she said? She said, that's impossible. I'm a virgin. And that's when the angel says, nothing is impossible for God. If God can create man out of dust, God can certainly put a fertilized egg inside of Mary. He can do the impossible. And it's not just his birth, but you follow his life. And what you discover is that miracle after miracle, Jesus continually proves that not only as the son of God that he was, but also that he is all powerful. That Jesus could speak to the wind and the waves in a boat and it would calm. That Jesus could call four things. He called Lazarus out of a tomb and he would get up after being dead for four days. The one thing that we see over and over is that God is all powerful. He's all powerful. And Jesus, he put the exclamation point on this. When he predicted his death, burial, and resurrection. And on the third day, when he came back, 
Jesus showed us. And so why, why does all this matter? Why does it matter? Why does our theology matter? Why does it matter that God is all-powerful? Let me tell you why it matters. Because no matter what situation that we face, no matter what situation you face, here's what it does. This is my God-footer, is that it tells me and it reminds me and it helps me know that I can have hope in every situation. It fills me with hope for every situation, guys. Every single situation. That means when I am so uncertain about what's going to happen, when I am afraid because I don't know what's going to happen, or maybe when the doctor gives me really bad news, or maybe when I'm going through a situation where I'm not sure if we're going to have enough, you know what I can think? Oh, wait a minute. God is all-powerful. God, I can have hope in every situation because I know that God can change the situation, that God is able. If he can part the Red Sea, that God can come down into my situation and he can change it anytime he wants. You see, when I believe that God is all-powerful and able, it fills me with hope. And I think people right now, you know what I think? I think, I think they need some hope. But I, but I think it matters what you believe about God. See, I, I personally believe that God is all-powerful, not only because of these stories and this, but because I've seen it in my life. Things that I thought were impossible that God has done. So that's the first distinctive. I believe that's the first one, that God is all-powerful. Let me give you another one. Let me give you another one. The second one is this. God is all-knowing. God is all-knowing. Come on, why don't you just join with me and say that with me. God is all-knowing. Come on, you guys, help me out. God is all-knowing. Now, here's the word that we use in church circles, and sometimes you'll hear this word, omniscient. Omniscient. This, this, this word, what's an attribute of God, omniscient, really omni and scientia. These are two words, omni all, scientia really means knowledge. In fact, maybe you guys don't know this, but it's where we get the Latin word for science. Scientia, that's where we get science. All knowing, this is what science is, knowledge, that God has all knowledge. God has all wisdom and all knowledge. And I love this, and I love this thought about God being all-knowing and this word omniscient and the word that we get, the word science, because I reject this idea that you can't be a person of faith and believe in science. I reject that idea. This idea that you either have faith or you have knowledge and you have science. Because here's what I believe. I believe that science just continues to point me to a deeper faith in God, a creator. Because knowledge. God has all knowledge. Here's the funny thing about knowledge. Here's what I've noticed. The more you get of it, maybe you've heard this phrase before. The more you get of knowledge, the more you realize what you don't know. You heard that before? The more knowledge you get, the more. That's why you think you're so smart, and then you go to college, and then you sit into a class where the professor will just blow you away, and you just go, oh, my gosh, I had no idea. I thought I knew a lot, and I realized I don't know that much. And you know what I found about life, and I found out about us, and that is that so, so many of us in, in today's society and world, I mean, knowledge is expanding at an infinite rate. That's what it feels like. I mean, you think about what we've discovered over the last 100 years. You, you just think about, like, what happened in the last 100 years versus what's happened in the last, say, 2,000 years? Knowledge is just unfolding. I mean, if, if I could have told someone 100 years ago that one day, you know, that you will be able to hold in your hand a device that is more powerful 
than all of the computers that they use to put man on moon. You'd be like, no, you're crazy. And yet that's what's happened. We, we, we've got so much knowledge. And today, if you don't know something, all you got to do is ask our friend Google. That's what you got to do is ask Google. I love Google. Google is our best friend. Google is the smartest person I know. If I don't know something, I Google it. If I don't know something, I type it in Google. And with all the information we have and with all the knowledge that we have today, and we have incredible knowledge. You know what I discover that, that seems so real? The more knowledge we have and the more we unpack and figure out, the more it seems like we really don't know. I mean, the truth is right now that what is so scary to us right now is what we don't know about this virus. Like, we think we know everything. And then all of a sudden, we have a little virus that shows up, and we don't know what to do with it. We don't know how to vaccinate it. We don't know if we did try to use a vaccine, what the results are. We don't know. And so right now, people are, people are scared. We're scared because we don't know. And I think this is a tension, if I could say, that we live with. There's a tension we live with where I feel like, okay, I know a lot. But the more I know, the more I realize what I don't know. There are things I'm good at and I know. Can I just tell you guys, there are some things I know I am not good at. I mean, I have learned that. There are some things I'm not good at. Like, for example, this spring, uh, we had this little riding tractor, this small little red riding tractor that my wife's grandfather gave to her. And um, I haven't had to use it for years because I had great neighbors and family that live close. And so I got to use their zero-turn mowers. It was awesome to mow my yard. It was so great. And then all of a sudden, my neighbor that would let me use his mower decided he was going to move. And so I hate him now, uh, Pastor Rick. But anyways, and so, you know, I, I had to mow the grass. And the grass is starting to come up, and it's spring, and it's starting to come in. And I've got this old mower, lawn tractor, that won't start. So I decide that I'm going to dive in. Like, I'm a pretty smart guy. I, I know a lot of things. And I decide that I'm going to go, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to fix this. So I told my wife, I'm going to fix this thing. And so I get it out, and, uh, and, and um, I turn the key, and it, and it cranks, but it won't fire. And so I, I Googled it. I, I did like, how do you do this? And people were saying things about carburetors and, and do something with fuel. And so I drained fuel, and I do all this stuff, and I got it to, I got it to start once. I did. I got it to start. It was awesome. It ran for about three seconds, and then it died. And I, and I haven't been able to get it to start since then. And you know what I realize? Whenever I get my hands into some type of motor, I realize what I don't know. Every time. I just realize what I don't know. So you know what my solution was? I went and bought a brand-new zero-turn mower thank-you stimulus. That's what I did. I don't know what you did with your stimulus, but that's what I'm doing with mine. But, but well, I guess what I'm saying is... We don't know what we don't know. And what we're all learning is what we don't know. And can I just say this? You know what I've found tends to bring the greatest fear into our lives? It's what we don't know. It's, it's what's uncertain. Like right now, we don't know what the economy is going to do. Right now, we, we don't know if people are going to be able to go back to work. Highest unemployment rate ever because we had to shut down everything. We don't know if businesses are going to be able to pick back up. We don't know if we're going to be able to get a vaccine for this. We don't know if people are going to be able to go back to school. Dear Lord, please help us to be able to send our kids back to school. We got people today. They, we don't know if people are going to graduate. We, don't, we, we can't make plans anymore. 
We don't know if we're going to be able to get together. We're building a building. We don't know if people are going to be able to come. Like, we don't know. And what I have found is that fear tends to live in the places we don't know. It tends to live where we have the most uncertainty. I don't know. Can I tell you, that is why we need this God footer. That's why this God footer matters. Because I don't know, but if I have a God that is all-knowing, let me tell you what that means. That doesn't just mean to me that he, he knows what's going on in the entire world right now. But here's what it means when I think of God as all-knowing. It's that God knows everything from my past. God knows everything happening right now. And here's the big one. God knows the future. This is so important. Please hear me. God is in tomorrow. God knows what's going to happen tomorrow. Can I tell you how relieving that is to me sometimes? Because I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, and I freak out, and I'm worried, and I get scared sometimes. But then all of a sudden, I remember, because I got this God footer, that God is in tomorrow. And if God is in tomorrow, then I don't need to freak out about tomorrow because I know God is there. When God is in tomorrow, you don't have to live with fear today because we know God's there in tomorrow and that God loves you and that God's got a plan tomorrow. And so even if you are in a season where you say, I can't see my way out and I don't know how this is gonna turn out and I'm scared and I'm not sure, when you have a hope in God and God knows tomorrow, you don't have to freak out today because God has plans for you tomorrow. God's got plans. In fact, one of my favorite promises that God made to the nation of Israel that we, we read about, that God spoke and he prophesied. What, what does that mean when God would use a prophet? God knew tomorrow. And God would know tomorrow and he would tell a prophet and say, go tell the people, this is what I'm going to do. This is what's going to happen. And so I love this, this, this verse that maybe many of you heard and that God spoke to the nation of Israel as they are living in captivity. They're living in a place and they're scared and they're fearful and they don't know what tomorrow holds. And God spoke these words, Jeremiah 29, 11. I bet you guys know it. I bet you guys could quote it, right? God said these words, for I know the plans I have for you. He said, I know. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you and to give you a hope and a future. Can I just tell you today that no matter what we're facing and how scary it looks like and we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, we don't know. But this is what I do know. God does know and God loves you and God has plans for you so that no matter what you're going through today, God says, I'm going to use it for good. You might not like how it feels today, but if you will just wait until tomorrow, you're going to see what I'm going to do because I got plans for you. I got plans for you. See, th this, is, this is why we need a God footer right now. God is all powerful. God is all knowing. And let me give you the third one. God is all present. God is all present. This is the, the word <laughs> omnipresent. Maybe you've heard that term before. It means all present. God is all present. God is here and God is near. And you know what I think a lot of us are asking right now, and maybe you've been asking this question. Maybe as we've been watching 
this pandemic and we've been we've been seeing how it's affected so many lives and we're watching the the ticker of of infections go up and we're watching as as death rate climbs i think a question a lot of people are asking right now is where is god where is he god where are you do you see what's going on where are you in a time when it feels like the world we need you where are you i mean god if you're all powerful then why don't you take care of the virus And if you're all knowing, then why didn't you let us know so that we were in this situation? And if God, you're really present, then where are you? I think it's a valid question. And I think a lot of times when we get into the middle of a situation and it's filled with pain, it's filled with heartache, it's filled with loss, it's filled with grief, a lot of times those are the moments when we're saying, God, where are you? I was reminded of, of a story in Elisha, uh, of Elisha in 2 Kings chapter 6. Elisha was a prophet. He was a man of God. One time, Elisha and his servant, they traveled to this city, and they went in for the night, spent the night in the city. And at night, while they were asleep, their enemy sent an army of horses and chariots to surround the city to take Elisha out. It says the next morning, this is in 2 Kings 6, it says the next morning when Elisha's servant got up, went out to stretch and pops out of his tent, he looks around and he sees all the way around the city, completely surrounded. Soldiers bearing down on them, outnumbered, overwhelmed. Overnight, they get there, it's safe. The next morning, they're surrounded. And I thought to myself, that's how this whole entire virus experience has felt. Like it felt like on one weekend, it felt like everything was semi-normal. And then all of a sudden, everything shut down and life changed in an instant. It's like all of a sudden we woke up and we felt like we were outnumbered. We felt like we're outgunned. We feel like we're surrounded. And this is the servant. And you know what he said? He said, oh no, what are we going to do? And that's when Elisha pops out. Somebody who has a God footer. Somebody who's got the faith. And when Elisha comes out, he says something so incredibly powerful to his servant. Let me read it to you. He said this in 2 Kings 6. He said, don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed. Here's what he prayed. Open his eyes. Come on, let's all say that together out loud. Open his eyes. Lord, open his eyes so that he may see. And then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. You see, oftentimes I found that when we are in the middle, when we're in the middle of our nightmare, when we're in the middle of our hardship, we're in the middle of uncertainty, when we're in the middle of these moments and we feel surrounded, that's when we're saying, God, where are you? And the reason why it often feels like we can't see God or feel God or experience God in a moment like this is because we would rather have God fix our problems rather than be present in our problems. We, would, we think, God, if you're there, 
then fix my problem. And I wonder if maybe what God wants to show us is that he doesn't always show up to fix our problems, but he does always show up. That he will be present in our problems, in our situations And sometimes the only thing that we can do in a time like this, if we have a God footer underneath of us, is that we have to hold on to these simple promises and truths that God says, I will be with you. That in the middle of the storm, I know there's a storm going, but hey, Jesus is in the boat with us. I don't need to freak out because God is with me right now. Can I just declare some promises that God's word says over your life today? I want you to receive these things. Psalm 34, 18 says this, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. Deuteronomy 31, 8 says, The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. And I love this one. Psalm 46, 1 says, God is our refuge and our strength, our ever-present help in our trouble. He didn't say, I'll keep you from trouble. But he promised that he will be an ever-present present help in our times of trouble you see what we believe about God it actually affects how we live our lives and I don't know if if these are some God footers that you have in your life but if I could just tell you that if you would get a picture of God today and maybe maybe you've never thought about God this way that God is all-powerful Because he hasn't always done everything you wanted him to do. That doesn't mean that he's not all-powerful. But when I know that God is all-powerful, I have hope in every situation. I can reach out to God. God, I know you can heal. God, I know you can save. I know you can restore this marriage. I know that you can provide. I know that you can do these things. God is, he is all-powerful. When I know that God is all-knowing, I know that God is in tomorrow. I, I don't know what tomorrow brings. And I'm not going to stand here and tell you, it's going to be okay. It's going to be great. All I know is that God is in tomorrow. And God knows the plans that he has for you. And they are good plans. And God will take every situation that happens to us. And he says, I promise you this, I will use it for good. God doesn't cause evil, but let me tell you, I believe God is doing something right now. So I can trust in this. I can sleep at night because I know that God is in tomorrow. And I know that God is my ever-present help in my trouble, that even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we don't have to fear evil because God, he's with us. If there's one thing that we get from the story that's told in here, it's this picture that God is with us and was through Jesus, Emmanuel. Emmanuel means what? God with us. One thing that God showed us through Jesus is that he said, I'm with you. I'm always present in your life, in the good, in the bad, and in the ugly. So my prayer for all of us today is that this would be be our footer, a footer in the ground. Come on, would you all just join with me, and and let's just have a moment of prayer reflection. If you would just bow your heads, maybe. I know it's weird, you're at home, couch, but maybe close your eyes and just bow your heads and think about God. Just think about him for a moment. God, I'm thankful that you're so much bigger. You're so much bigger than than me. 
God, my, my thought of you is so much bigger. God, I, I thank you for creating in my foundation a sure footing, a foundation that is solid rock that I can stand upon. And it is a faith that believes that, God, you are all-powerful, you are all-knowing, and you are always present. And God, I pray for the person right now that is just, God, maybe living in fear and anxiety, worry, stressed, overwhelmed, maybe feels like Elisha's servant, feels surrounded right now in this moment. God, I pray you would open our eyes right now. Open our eyes to see you in this moment, to see you in our situation. And so, God, I pray your peace right now. I pray, God, faith is coming alive in people. I just believe that right now as I'm praying that. I believe that God has anointed me to say this to you today, that faith is coming alive inside of some of you. That all of a sudden, the things that you thought you knew about God, God is expanding it right now. And he's saying, I'm so much bigger than you could ever imagine. If you just trust in me, lean not on your own understanding, your own ways, but acknowledge me, and I will direct your paths. Listen, as we're praying, I just wonder if maybe there's some of you here watching this right now in the reality is that you don't have this God footer. That you don't have this kind of hope. That you don't have this kind of internal strength that can only come from knowing God. If I could just look at you right now and if I could just say, God wants to put a foundation under your life. Something to build upon. God wants to do that, and it is not too late. Here's the thing I want you to understand about God is that he is always present. And so all you have to do is reach out for him. All you have to do in this moment is to is this call upon the name of the Lord. The Bible says if you call upon the name of the Lord Jesus, you will be saved. That he wants to begin to dig and drill into you a footer of faith that says God, God, God says, I've got this. Doesn't mean that all the pain goes away. Doesn't mean that your situation is going to change tomorrow. But it does mean that you're going to have a foundation under you so that if storms come, that you're going to have a solid foundation. You're going to live unshaken. Some of you today, I feel like maybe the Spirit of God is prompting you right now. It's time to say yes to him. It's time to say yes to Jesus. Jesus came and he died for you. And he rose again like he predicted because he was in tomorrow. And can I tell you that God knew right now days ago, weeks ago, months ago, years ago, that this was going to be a divine moment for you. God knew in this very moment that it was time for you to step across that line of faith, to maybe say, God, I realize right now how much bigger you are than I am, and I'm going to surrender my life to you. If that's you today, you want to make that decision. It's the greatest decision of your life, and it is a decision to make. If that's you today, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Before I do that, here's what I would love for you to do. Just in the comments and chat, here's what you're going to say. And this is a declaration. You're going to say, I am coming to life in Christ today. He is giving me new life. And you just type the word life in the comments. Or if you're watching this church online, just click the banner right here below me just to, just to say, signify today I make a decision to follow Jesus. If that's you today, I want to give you that chance. This is you responding. This is you. In the comments, you just say life. Just text the word life. Just say, that's me. Today I'm receiving new life through Jesus Christ, and if the, every single one of you that want to make Jesus the Lord of your life, that you want him to be the foundation that your life is built upon, would you just pray this simple prayer with me right now? It's a prayer of faith. Nothing magic about the words. It's about the faith and the sincerity of your heart right now. If you would just say these words with me. 
You say, Heavenly Father, today I come to you. I come in faith. And I believe that you sent Jesus to come and to die for me. To pay the price for my sin and what I've done in my life. And that you raised him to life so that I can have hope for eternal life. And so right now, God, this is me being honest with you. This is me saying, God, I want you to be the foundation of my life. I want you to lead me in my life. And so from this moment forward, today, right now, I'm yours. And I surrender my life to you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Everybody said together, amen. Amen. Hey, listen, I I want to just encourage all of us as we sing this last song. It's really a declaration of saying that I am building my life upon a solid rock, and that is Jesus. Come on, let's sing and let's declare this together.